It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 138 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, a betting preview of this weekend's Premier League Game Week 6. Joining me today, pro gambler Tony Alvarez. How are you, mate? Yeah, uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm also back on uh, Only Fool's Day Horses. I've been convinced. So on YouTube, I'm, I'm back and I'll be putting videos out probably within the next week. Um, mate, so, yeah. The return we never saw coming. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I've just been badgered, so what, I thought, why not, basically? Yeah, no, I look forward to seeing them, mate. It's always good stuff that you put out. Um, quick question for this week. Uh, in December of 2016, which two players were sent off when Chelsea defeated Manchester City 3-2 at the Etihad Stadium? Uh, as always, we will get to the answer at the end of the podcast, but for those... Uh, yeah, for those listening and for you, Tony, mate, have a think and we'll we'll get to the answer at the end. Um, obviously, going through this, that, that quiz question, mate, because we've got Chelsea-Man City this week, probably the biggest game or at least one of the biggest games we've had in the EPL so far this season, kicking off at Saturday midday. The odds are very, very tight. Both teams around that 2.7-ish kind of mark. You might be able to get 2.8 for either team, but they're both kind of hovering around that number. Uh, There's no real clear favourite at the moment, uh, and the draw sits at about 3.3 in most places. So if you're looking at the betting market, it just like, you know, it's basically, although it's not really the standard pick'em kind of uh, betting market because you got the draw there too but um it's as close as it gets chelsea come into this one off a superb runner form 13 points out of 15 so far another dominant display last weekend three nil over spurs which is beautiful to see and manchester city actually coming off a disappointing draw on the weekend against southampton they're 10 out of 15 points in comparison but like most seasons they rank top of the XG for and against, uh, they're actually, you know, I think they're, I think they're pretty well ahead of Chelsea on the if you know for those that are interesting underlying data. So um, I, oh, that's where I want to start, mate. I want to ask you about Chelsea because I, I mentioned this last week. But where do you kind of sit on Chelsea? Because I think they're sixth on expected points so far this season. But the interesting thing is, is like when they've come up against the the really, I guess, the better sides. You can call, I mean, if you want to say Arsenal and Tottenham are better sides, that's when they've kind of like really, you know, put the foot down and and smashed those teams up. So where do you sit on them kind of getting off to a flying start, but not exactly, if you're looking at the underlying data, performing that well? Yeah, this is, this is where I ignore, I mean, I ignore underlying data a lot, as, as anyone who's seen me speak mm. will know. Um, but I think Chelsea are a prime example of that because I, obviously I was at the Arsenal game and it was 2-0. If you'd have given the players a 100 grand bonus each to, to win it 5-0, they could have done. They literally stopped at 2-0. Yeah. Um, and I thought the same against Tottenham. I know one of the goals came in the last minute, but that second half could have been anything they wanted it to be. And they just kind of relaxed and, and didn't push it because they don't need to. Um, so for me, I think the data is skewed by their decisions, not 
because as I said, I mean, the Arsenal game, if that goes on to be five, a lot of the underlying data changes. Their XG obviously completely changes with it or expected XG, XG expected goals, obviously. Um, so I, I think they've their data is worse, but it's through choice. And then you've got to remember the Liverpool game, which they, they were completely in control, 1-0 up, got a player sent off down to 10 men. Liverpool scored a pe- resulting penalty. And then don't really lay a glove on them but have loads of pot shots from, from 30 yards, 20 yards, no real clear-cut chances. But, I mean, without looking at it, I'm almost certain Liverpool would have won that game in, in, according to XG because they were playing against 10 men, but actually watching the game with your eyes, you could see that apart from the penalty, Liverpool didn't really lay a glove on them. Mendy didn't make a save where you thought, like, wow, he's kept them in it, or there wasn't last-ditch tackles. It was all played in front of Chelsea. But obviously XG is a, is a data stat that doesn't care about what goes on. It's just basically a result of shots taken and the positions they're taken from. So I think that's just off the top of my head, three of the Chelsea games where I think you can almost ignore uh, the mm-hmm. data. And when we were only played five, ignoring three out of the five is, is huge. I mean, and they battered Palace first game and they beat Villa 3-0 in the other one. So I'd imagine they won the, the data battle in both of them, them games anyway. So I think... Two of them are probably true to form and then three of them you can basically completely ignore. So I don't think the data tells the whole truth on Chelsea, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a lot of its game state too. So where do you, I mean, it's a little bit off topic, but you've got, I think most people would say right now, even though Manchester United are up there on the table, it's going to be a battle between three teams, Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool. Where do you, how do you, how are you ranking them at the moment or are you thinking that it's, you know, it's 1A, 1B, 1C. I, I don't include Liverpool in that. I think we've. I think Chelsea, Man City will be one and two. Um, so on my Arsenal podcast, we do a prediction at the start of the season. Well, we do it at the end of the transfer window because you know what the squads are by then. And uh, we do who's going to win it and whatnot. And I went Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United in that order for the top four. Um, I, I think Chelsea might have swayed me a bit. As I said, three weeks ago, I thought Man City tight from Chelsea, one or two, like not many points in it, one sort of result. But Chelsea just looks so solid that even on a bad day, I don't think many teams will beat them because they just they don't really concede goals. I think, who have they conceded against so far? I think they've only conceded against Liverpool, which was the penalty when they were down to 10 men, as I, as I mentioned. So they're not going to let a lot of goals in, which means on a bad day, they're not really going to lose. So, I, I, as I said, a few weeks ago, I would have said Man City. Now I'm probably more in the 1A, 1B sort of column. And I think Liverpool will be a few points off that and then United a few a few points off that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and what about City? Have you watched much of them? Do you think, like, what do you think about their start to the season? It's kind of, it's pretty similar to last year, but it's probably, probably a little bit better because I remember last year they got hammered by Leicester, I think it was, at the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, maybe that maybe they got beaten by another uh, team too. I remember even the season before that they got beaten by Norwich early on. Was it Norwich? I could be completely wrong. Uh, it Not, was one of those... uh, yeah, yeah, they did. They lost 3-2 yeah. away. So they're pretty notorious for getting off to a slow start and then, you know, roaring through the middle part of the season and towards the end. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Do you think it's too early for Pep to start to start turning this, you know, start turning the wheels now? Or do you think they're going to continue the the kind of, you know, dullish starts to the season? It's hard to say because I think this season's been a little bit different where they've been hit and miss against us. I know it was against 10 men for, for most of the game, but they were exceptional. 
Mm. Um, they battered Norwich, but everyone batters Norwich. Um, I can't remember what their other win was off the top of my head, but then they were really poor against Tottenham when they lost. And obviously they drew 0-0. Southampton only had one shot on target, which was in the 93rd minute. So although I've only seen highlights of that game, you can get the impression that if you only have one shot at home on target at home to Southampton, you've probably not played well. Mm. Um, and Southampton should have had a penalty. I, I don't care what any ref says, it, it's a penalty. Yeah, um, I was with that. I didn't know. How, how did they overturn that? It's like, oh, oh yeah. I mean, we can like last week. Oh yeah, last week was some of the bizarre, most bizarre refereeing decisions I've ever seen across the league. There was that. There was the one in the Arsenal game, and there was one other. Oh, the Man United game. Man United should have about three penalties, and, and West Ham should have had another one that they didn't get. But um, yeah, so I'm trying to think what the other game Man City, who Man City beat, but they beat Leicester one nil. Leicester, yeah. So they've had a one nil win, and then in two what five nils? It's five nil against us, and I can't remember what the Norwich score was, but it was give or take five nil. So they've either been really impressive, or really bad basically so I think they're a hard team to call and I think if everyone plays at their absolute maximum City are the best team in the league and and this is why this week is really hard to call because you think City at their maximum probably beat Chelsea but if they're anywhere off it as they've shown I mean I think Chelsea have won the last three games against them um, obviously the Champions League final the FA Cup semi-final and I think the last league game as well yeah uh, so it's like it's it's really difficult. Um, it's really difficult to say. I mean, I don't, as I said, you say our oh, Man City got to pick it up now, but they can turn it on at any time. It's not like they've been bang average this season. They've just been hot and cold. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and an off-topic note, we were talking a little about the referees just then. It's actually quite interesting that the first ever overseas referee will referee an English Premier League game this weekend. He's Australian, actually. Uh, yeah, Jared, so- is it Jared Gillette? Yeah, that's his name. So it's uh, it's just interesting that I mean maybe everyone's finally cottoning on that how shit the referees are in the Premier League. He's, he's the, been he's been over here for a while. We had him on VAR two or three years ago at an Arsenal game, and he was horrendous. He overturned oh, right. the decision. <laughs> yeah, he overturned the decision. Where I still can't see a foul. Like I can't even think mm, maybe it was just it just wasn't a foul. And it, I think it was the first time that the FA came out and said VAR made a mistake. Like, as in, mm. we got it. They've done, they've done it about 10 times now, but I think that was the first one because it was one of them you, you can't forget clear and obvious. You can't see mm, maybe. It was just, and it was yeah. him. And then I think they kind of, that, I think that's why he got delayed because, as I said, he's been over here for a few years, but now he's, he's only just taking his first uh, first league game this weekend. We actually had him yesterday. He was the Arsenal ref yesterday. Oh, okay, right. Oh, well, well, I, I just thought that was interesting that, I mean, it seems like more and more people are talking about how bad the referees are more than ever. So it's just interesting to see. It, that it, they... I don't know what, what game's he on because yesterday he didn't give a thing. Like, I know they've been told to be more lenient this year, but unless there was an assault, he weren't blowing his whistle. So I don't know, I don't know what game he's on, but I would suggest I... that's probably not a bad look for unders on cards, to be honest. I think it was one of these mid-table-ish. I cannot remember. It was it's yeah, either Leeds, West Ham, or it's uh, it's like sure. Southampton Wolves or something. It's one of those two games, I think. So yeah, yeah that'll be interesting. Um, all right, back to this game, mate. Tactically, how do you think it will play out? And I guess yeah, if you have any bets, give that a mention too. Yeah. Uh, so Chelsea will go back five. As I said, they're very strong at the back. City will, I, I presume Walker will play. So then even if, if Lukaku can isolate himself against a centre-back, then uh, then Walker's got the pace to cover. Um, I mean, City can play any one of 
about 10 footballers in midfield in terms of like ball players keeping the ball. Foden was very impressive. I know it was against Wickham, but Foden was very impressive the other day. I'm not sure if he's ready to come in instantly. Um, Mares, I, I think, will play because against the back five, Mares stays high and wide and they'll try and force the Chelsea wing back, who will probably be Alonso, to stay back rather than bombing on. Um, and then on the left, I think they'll probably do, I think it'll probably be Sterling. This is just thoughts. I don't have any information, obviously. Um, because again, he stays high and wide and you've got to try and be at Reese James or Aspilicueta, make them stay back, which limits the Chelsea attack. So I think that's how Pep will go. And I think Chelsea play the same every week. What, what will be interesting here is, and I think he will, is if Mendy makes it for Chelsea. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't be having a bet before the team news comes out mm-hmm. because Mendy will, will make a big difference between him and Kepa. Um, even if it's only psych- in terms of the odds, I mean, even it's just like gamblers think that uh, Kepa's shit. So it will affect the odds if he's not playing. Um, I mean, it was like the other day we were talking about that they were too long against Tottenham at like 1.74 or whatever they were. And they kicked off at evens. Yeah. Because no, Tottenham's team was a little bit stronger. Son came back in and then Mendy was out. Kante was out. And, and said they kicked, I mean, at evens, it was, it was probably the best price you're ever going to get on it, get on anything. They, they were a yeah. joke of a price at evens, but that's life. So I would be waiting for the team news. I do think Mendy will play, but just in case I'd be waiting. I don't really have a strong opinion. I'd probably let me just check the over under lines because these that big games the only, tend to. That was the only thought I had was just yeah unders all day, but I think it's at two point two five, so it's pretty well, pretty well factored in, mate. Uh, and I think two point two five under two point two five was at um, at one point eight or something like that last time I checked. Yeah, my markets has decided to freeze, so I can't <laughs> really help you there. Um, yeah, I'll but, see if I can get it up on the screen here, the over-unders, but this will just be half goals. Oh, under two and a half goals is at 1.8 on Bet365, a little bit lower on the exchanges. So, um, yeah, that's still pretty decent. Yeah. I, I, it just it, it kind of depends how the first half goes. You know, I feel like if, if, if either team scores in the first half or early on, it'll just completely change the game, won't it, tactically, whereas if it stays... You know, well, I don't know. Ball. I think if Chelsea score, it won't because they'll just sit. I mean, I know I can't remember what minute it was in, but in like the Champions League final, they they got their goal and sat back. And I, I think they were going to sit back anyway. Really, if mm. City get an early goal, then Chelsea will have to slightly change change things. Yeah. I, I just think this is a, a really horrible game to bet on, to be honest. But I think that's the theme of this weekend. I think um, a lot of the games are, are horrible games to bet on. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, we'll leave that one and, and move on to Arsenal Tottenham. I think even on these, like, you know, games where you've got two, two uh, you know, teams that are very close in ability and they're big games, like even the draws, you know, it's not, a, it's, it's probably one of the few times where the, you can kind of say the draw is probably a little bit of value, but we will, uh, we shall see. Uh, Arsenal Tottenham, mate. Tottenham, how good's variance, mate? Variance has just come back and bit them on the bum after three lucky wins to start the season, one nil wins. They've been smashed up by Crystal Palace and Chelsea. Arsenal, on the other hand, they've uh, they've nabbed two one two one nil wins in a row against bad teams. I thought I thought they were shocking in the final third last week against Burnley, like abysmal. The last passes, I wouldn't say the shots were shocking. It was more so the 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 last passes the last the final touches like Saka had a few awful touches, um, but it, it was just it was interesting because 
normally with Arsenal, the like things you worry about is our midfield and our and our defense. And you, you kind of just think, you know, Saka, ESR, uh, Odegaard, Pepe, like, you know, most of the time they're gonna be generally quite good. But it was the it was the opposite way around this week, last week, sorry. So I mean, how worried are you that I mean, I don't know what you think, but I thought Smith and Saka were, were awful last weekend, which is just, you know, it's an anomaly. But how much does that worry you? Because, you know, how much we depend on them. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the worst game I've ever seen uh, Saka play, to be honest. Yeah. He, he was horrendous. I don't know how he lasted in 90. It just everything he'd done was wrong, basically. And But then the, the problem is he wasn't good against Norwich either, but he's always capable of doing something. So you leave him on the pitch in the hope of that, Moment. Well, he got the free um, kick, didn't he? He, he got the free kick. Say, obviously, he won the free kick. But I didn't think Smith Rowe was too bad. It was a different performance. I thought he had to battle a bit. Obviously, he missed a couple of chances, which is always going to skew people's opinions. But I thought his overall game wasn't too bad. Um, in terms of the final ball, obviously, I was there. The grass was so long. Like, we remember it because it was in the final third. So it looks like they messed up the chances. But all over the pitch, every pass was running short because the grass was so long. The pitch was so slow. The ball wasn't running along the floor. So there was like untold times. It happened in centre midfield and people got clipped with late tackles or the ball got intercepted. But we don't remember them because nothing came of them. Everyone remembers the Ben White back pass where the penalty was given and obviously overturned because it was the same thing. But obviously it's an incident, a penalty. If that would have happened and Vidra would run it out of play, no one would ever remember it. So uh, I, I kind of don't blame them because then there was a couple of times they tried to, they knew that the ball wasn't running. So they tried to hit it harder and end up overhitting it. There was one where Aubameyang played in Pepe and it went so, basically, it was an easy two-yard pass and he ended up going to the byline. And uh, we won a corner. So that didn't worry me because you could kind of see what was going on um, from from the get-go, really. The ball, they, they play in the sky, so they don't care how long the grass is because they don't intend on the ball being on it, really. Um, and then we really struggled to just get our passing game going because the pitch was just running so slow. So that doesn't worry me coming going forward into this week because obviously we're at home where we know the pitch is near on perfect. Um, and if, like, for example, it was really hot in Burnley last week um, and they didn't water the pitch. So most, nearly every club, if, if it's hot, obviously the pitch will be dry, so they'll water it. Whereas Burnley left it with long grass and a dry pitch, so the ball just wasn't running. Whereas this week, obviously, the pitch is in our control. So the length of the grass will be perfect and it'll be it'll be slick. As I said, if it's too dry, they'll wet it. If it's raining, then it'll be slick anyway. Um, so yeah, in terms of I know I know exactly what you mean about the final ball not being good enough and it and it wasn't, but it's not I don't I think it's due to where they were playing rather than a an in, mm. an inability of the players. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know, Saka hasn't been incredible lately he's kind of just been okay for the most part. So I guess people are I think just people in general are getting you can you can start drawing the narrative that like you know you because we're so you know so reliant on the on the defense and the and the midfield improving and we don't even think about the fact that you know Saka and ESR and these kind of guys yeah like we just we kind of rely on them too much so you just get worried that you know if they if they drop off a little bit um, and and the defense and midfield improves then it's kind of like, oh, have we really improved overall that much as a team? You're kind of assuming that Saka and ESR are just going to get better and better. So, I, I yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's it's a one-off, you know. You can get... Well, it's, it's, it's funny with Saka because Arteta said after the Burnley game that basically he doesn't... He's not recovered from Euros yet. Like, 
he, he's still basically in his pre-season because he didn't really have one. And I was saying to my mate when Arteta said that, who out of the England squad, of the 26 men, are any of them really running at full full tilt uh, in like at any club? And Grealish is the argument. You could probably say he's running at near 100%, but he didn't play many minutes in the summer. Yeah. And then beyond that, you look at anyone else, that, that, especially people that played minutes. Like Rice is half an argument. He's maybe somewhere near his best. But the rest Early. of them, Shaw's not, not been fantastic. Maguire has been half okay. Stones basically hasn't played for City. Um, obviously, I don't know about Trippier. I don't know what he's doing over there. Walker's not been fantastic. Got sent off last week. Obviously, it got overturned. Phillips has yeah. been okay, but not as good as he was for England. Foden can't get a look in. Mount hasn't been great. I really rate Mount, but he's not been great. Sterling can't get... He was probably our best player, but can't get a look in at City or he hasn't scored this season. So, it's... um. I, I don't know if it just rings true of the whole England squad, basically. Kane's been garbage. That will yeah. change this weekend. It always does. But <laughs> I, I think with, I think with Saka, he has been poor, I think, in every game, basically. Well, I think Smith-Rowe's been different. I think Smith-Rowe's been our best player in every game, apart from last week. Um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think Saka has been poor. But as I said, I look around the rest of the England squad, especially, I said, the ones that played. And there's not many of them you go, oh, yeah, they're sort of running at full capacity. Yeah. Um, did you watch Chelsea Tottenham last week? And what were your what were your thoughts on Spurs, mate? Because there there seemed to be a lot of debate of is is Kane does Kane not care anymore versus is Kane not just not getting the you know he's not getting the support from his team as he's not getting any ball basically. Uh, I did watch it. I thought they were they were combative for the first half, and and then Chelsea changed it, and and Tottenham didn't have a clue. The, the pro, Harry Kane was playing so deep, that's why uh, Tuchel changed it. He obviously he took off Mount and Brancante, so they had, had the extra midfielder to help deal with Kane. But then it, it kind of killed Tottenham's threat because Kane was playing so deep, he was almost a centre midfielder. And I know he drops off anyway, but he was even deeper than he normally is. And Tottenham outnumbered him in midfield, but as soon as they they sorted that out, Tottenham looked toothless and. It's one of them things people go, oh, Harry Kane's not getting a service, but you can't service someone who's basically standing in the centre circle. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a tactical thing or if he felt he wasn't getting enough touches when he was high up. So he's dropped deeper and deeper. It's what Lacazette does a lot and it annoys the hell out of me. If he's not in the game, he'll drop deeper and deeper and deeper and he'll start getting touches for himself. But then we'll get the ball wide or get it forward and he's not there because he's too busy trying to come and fill the ball in his own heart. Um, and, and that's basically what happened. I, I don't know if he's not interested. Obviously, Kane scored yesterday for Tottenham in their in their Carabao Cup game. It's hard to say that had Kane not had the wanted transfer thing, I don't think anyone would be saying he's not interested. But because yeah. that's there in the background, it's become like a sub story that oh, he must he must not fancy it anymore, or or whatever the story is. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see this weekend how interested he is, and I imagine the answer will be very. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> If he doesn't get up for this weekend, then yeah, Spurs have got a serious problem on their hands. Uh, how do how, how let's let's look at the betting markets now, mate. It's um, I'll get the odds up. I forgot to do that before. You've got um, Arsenal are uh, pretty clear favourites at about two point three. The draw as high as two uh, three point four. Sorry, and Tottenham you can get three point four in a couple of places. I originally thought. Unders, I mean, but that's pretty. I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm sure it's all factored in just because Arsenal have been pretty, um, 
I wouldn't say uh, shocking in attack. They've just been a little bit. Um, they just they've lacked conviction in the final third, haven't they? They've just they just haven't put their chances away. So you've got that aspect, the aspect that Tottenham don't score much either, and that they'll probably just sit back and defend the box. But I have heard lots of people say that you know that Tottenham sit back and defend the box, but they're still they're still not that great at doing that. So it's. I don't know. How do you how do you kind of see the game playing out? Uh, the, the the thing, especially at the Emirates, they're always high scoring games. Um, it's, so usually, traditionally in England, the big games are always shocking and like you know what I mean, nil nil, one nils, nothing in it, quite boring. Whereas this game has always been the the derby that is entertaining. There's always goals. I mean, last year we beat them two one. The year before it was two two. Um, the year before that, I think, was the 4-2 under Emery. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, don't know, I can't remember before that, but I don't think there's been an unders at the Emirates for a long time. I think the last one off the top of my head, and I might be wrong, was uh, was uh, we won 2-0 with Sanchez, and I think Mustafi it was that got the other one. Um, mm. So, that obviously, it tells you how, how long ago, we're, how long back we're going. That was um, 2017, I think. Yeah. Um, so that that sort of shows, and I I don't in terms of the betting, I don't really like any of the matches. I think we're probably slightly too short, um, but not enough. As it's one of them, I wouldn't go against us because I wouldn't be surprised if we get shorter. We know that the betting market loves Arsenal, um, but I, I, I saw us yesterday. I think we was around two point. I'm looking at the exchange with two point three four, and I think we were like mid two point fours yesterday, and I thought that yeah. was probably about the right price. Um, but that's not saying it will come back. Um, just I know it's a typical cliche in football that form goes out the window and it's who wins the battle on the day, but I really think it is. Um, it's, it's interesting because obviously I went against the, the bookmakers in, in a sense last week with the Arsenal-Burnley game saying I've, I've only ever seen one overs there and it was a dead rubber. Um, it was the end of the season, last game, and we won 3-1, but neither team give a shit. No one, we were coming fifth regardless and... And they were coming wherever they were coming, regardless. Um, so, but the and we've had every other game had been unders, but the the betting market was uh, on the overs because Burnley, I think they've conceded over two point five just on their own every game this season. I think the stat was all five of the last six. It was something stupid. So I went against the market looking at unders last week on on here, and I think I'd go against it again and go overs is probably if I had to have a bet, I'd go on overs, but. It's difficult for me to tell. I don't know if you can check because markets is an unformed market. There's only been £13 traded on it. So it looks, I mean, I can get 2.04, but that might be a terrible price. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those games you could just, there's such a variety of outcomes, isn't there? You could, I, could, I could see Arsenal, Tottenham have been terrible. So I could see Arsenal smashing them up. I could see, you know, Arsenal getting zero goals and Tottenham winning 1-0 or 2-0 with, you know, they've got more strike up front than we do. And, you know, you could see, I could see a nil all too, like just nothing. So there's, uh, yeah, there's there's so many different outcomes this could go. So, all right, mate, um, I guess we'll leave it there. What, what was the what was the price on the over 2.5? I'll get that up, mate. Over 2.5 goals, you can get 2.1 at Betfred and SpreadX, but most have got it around 2.05. Yeah, I think I think I would 
be interested in that at that price. Um, as I said, just because I, I, I tend to look more uh, of history of games because there's certain like Arsenal and Tottenham, they can't, it's never going to be cagey because of the way the fans are at the pressure on the game. Um, so I think a lot of time the, the underlying data or the bookies look at how the teams are performing that season. But I think there's certain fixtures where you can kind of disregard that. And as I said, with Arsenal Burnley last week, and, and I think this is one of them. Obviously, I'm not saying it will definitely come in, but I think looking at history, there's more there's more than a 50% chance of over 2.5 because they're traditionally two attacking teams as well and the fans won't let them sit back. Like, yeah. obviously, I've been at both. I've been at the games at the Emirates and the games at, at Tottenham um, and their fans don't let them sit back and our fans won't let us sit back. Interesting so I, I you think, say that. Yeah, so I think uh, looking at over a 50% return on, on this is, is a good bit of value, to be fair. All right, throwing nil to the Arsenal, mate. Uh, let's go. Uh, West Ham, Leeds-West Ham, mate, is the next one you wanted to talk about. You've got Leeds, kind of been pretty indifferent starts of the season, and then you've got West Ham who... They've just been carrying on, mate. We got, we got it wrong last. Or, I mean, I didn't watch the game, but Antonio being out, it seems generally that they they handled his absence pretty well. Yeah, yeah, they did. Obviously, they went one nil up. Uh, goal was a bit lucky. Um, should have had another penalty. They missed a penalty last kicker game. As I said, I think United uh, should have had a couple more penalties. I think it actually went the way it should have done in the end, but it was a lot tighter than I expected. I mean, obviously, you saw the other day I'd done the tweet saying I got three out of four right, and it was kind of tongue-in-cheek because the United game was not... I, I thought it was an easy win, to be honest. And obviously, the, the stat at the end of the day, as I said, United would win, and they did, but it, was not, it wasn't what I thought at all. Um, yeah, this game, for me, was a weird one. It was why I flagged it up, because Leeds are still being priced of the Leeds of last season, which they haven't been. I mean, they, they drew with Newcastle. They got battered by Liverpool, battered by Man United. Like They're, they're just not... They drew with... Who's the other game they drew 2-2? Uh, Everton. They've just not been impressive at all. Um, but I think the price is looking at the leads of last season who were impressive. And then the West Ham price, I still think, I don't know if it's punters or bookies, they still think it's like West Ham of two years ago where they're just going to turn flaky at any given time. Mm. And I think now it's been so long that I think that's a bit unfair. Like, if Arsenal were going away to Leeds, we wouldn't be 2.4. We would be shorter. And you've got to say on on the form so far this season and on on last season, obviously the league table doesn't lie. West Ham were better, better than us. Same as Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham, if Tottenham were having the same form currently as West Ham, so when Tottenham were top of the league, like if they'd have played this game three weeks ago, then Tottenham would have been a lot shorter than two point four. But I, I don't. I think that's just people thinking, oh, it's West Ham. They'll change at some point. Um, so I think the market's being really unfair on West Ham, and also Bamford's out, which. Leeds don't really have another striker. They'll play Rodrigo up front, but he's been playing for them anyway, slightly deeper or wider. So they're still missing a first-team player. I'm not sure. Harrison was out with COVID last week. I'm not sure if he's back. I mean, if not, I mean, Dan James is a pretty much like-for-like replacement, but with them having to shift Rodrigo, it still means they have to find another body and it'll be Click, probably, who's obviously not like the most notoriously attacking Matilda. So I, I think the market's being very generous to Leeds here. Uh, Antonio still out, I'm assuming. No, he's back. Oh, he's back. And then, and, oh wow, I'm now I'm really surprised. I thought the reason they were this high was because of Antonio. No, it was a one out. game because it was two bookings. It was only a one game suspension. He could have played in the League Cup on was it yesterday or the day before? 
but yeah. um, they just chose to rest him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, uh, where do you where do you price West Ham at then, mate? Uh, this again, like for anyone who's come through from like any of my channels, this I don't think this is a trading game because Leeds are they they always have big swings in one way or the other, and you just have to be lucky basically. Uh, so I, I tend to avoid trading leads, but I, I think I'd probably have West Ham at about 2.2 on the on the match odds. I'm not saying that's what they'll kick off as, but I think that's probably around true price, 2.2, 2.25, something around that. So I think 2.4 is big, but then there's no saying that they won't go to 2.5 because it's leads. Like literally there's a saying in the, in the group of my, in my Telegram group, like when people ask what price should they be, I literally just say it's leads. Like that's my answer because I can't give, I can't predict Leeds prices. I'm just shocking at it. Yeah, you can get yeah much better odds than than two point two. Yeah, they're two point four on the two point four on the exchange. Uh, I would I would be taking that without hesitation. Is there a reason why they swing either way before kickoff? I, I don't know if it's because their fans are mental. Like I mean, they bring <laughs> I think nine thousand down to London for a Carabao Cup game the other day. That's that's like almost unheard of. It's just. Like against Fulham as well. It's not like a glamour tie. Um, I don't, that's what I mean. Down swing to like, as in the odds or their performance? Uh, the odds. Oh, the odds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, like they'll have. There was a game last season, and I know it because uh, a very popular YouTube ripped the video off of it, um, where they were playing Villa, and they just just kept no. They so they just kept uh, drifting like for no reason. The teams come out. Both teams were exactly as expected. And they just kept drifting and drifting and drifting. And, and then people were started backing them going, they're crazy at this price. And they were, I think Villa went from 2.3 to 1.9 between the lineups come basically like an hour before kickoff. And it was like the lineups were as expected. Leeds end up winning 3-0, Bamford got a hat-trick. But you're just looking at it and going, why? And I think that was quite early in the season. So then from then on, I kept an eye on them and they're just the swings were just, it's not every week, but if you're on the wrong side of the lead swing, you can you can lose a lot of money. And for me, I don't mind losing money as long as I can put a clear reason to it. Like, oh, I've done this wrong or I read this wrong. When you can't read it, it just annoys me because I'm like, I ain't done anything wrong and I've now got a massive red screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very difficult to trade, but I just think on a purely betting point of view, um, I, I think 2.4 is just, is just wrong on a West Ham, especially with... Bamford out. Um, they were actually 2.56 before the Bamford news. I think it, well, I checked it when uh, the Bielsa done his press conference and said Bamford's out. I checked what the price changed from. I'm pretty sure it was 2.56. So they have dropped significantly. And a lot of times when uh, teams shorten because of players out, they do bounce back a bit. So it's one of them. I think 2.4 is a great price, but I really wouldn't be surprised if they, they have a higher SP or between now and then they go, they go back out to sort of 2.45, 2.5. All right. We'll wait and see, mate. See what happens there. Uh, interesting as always. Last week we, uh, yeah, we did pretty shit in terms of the CLV, but we put back to back to few winners. So it'll be uh, yeah. That's that's what was funny. I think the the only game I, I beat the the closing line value on was the one that lost. So I knew I would yeah. on the leads as long as Rafinha was fit, which I basically knew he was. Obviously, I got the news early. Uh, they, I think they were two point three eight when we was doing the the, the recording. And as, as long as he was fit, they were they were going to be shorter. So I knew that game would be the closing line value. That, that wasn't much of a – that wasn't a hard pick. Um, but that game lost and then we got hammered on the, the CLV on on the, on the unders, the, the United game and the Chelsea game, but they all come in. 
Mm. All right, mate. Uh, best bet of the weekend out of all the ones we've gone through today. What's your favourite? I've kind of swerved a lot of bets today, haven't I? And the only one I feel strongly about is West Ham. So, West Ham. Simple, simple, mate. Um, all right. You can find Tony on YouTube now. He's back. Only Fools Lay Horses. Check it out. Great channel. Um, and, yeah, subscribe to his Patreon. It's also called Only Fools Lay Horses if you're interested in getting team news just before kickoff. Uh, for what is it? It's mostly just EPL. Uh, yeah, or, or I can do all games in Europe. Uh, so like Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League. But yeah. I mean, it depends on the knowledge of the person because obviously if Tottenham are playing in the Conference League against someone from Croatia that no one's heard of, you don't know if they've rested 10 players. And, and I don't know, I don't know the teams. Um, but yeah, I get uh, probably four or five Premier League teams a week. Um, I think this week I've, I'm going to get, I'm almost certain I'm going to get Man United and Man City. Um, and then obviously we'll see from there. Um, just so you just said just before kickoff is just before the uh they're announced and I've been getting them a bit earlier recently so United obviously the team they're 12 30 kickoff on Saturday in the UK so the team will be officially announced at 11 30 I should have it by 10 10 30 so it gives you a bit of time to work I'm not expecting anything I'm not expect. I think I could probably name the United team now without any knowledge um mm. but so this week I don't think will be the most profitable for it but in general it has been it's actually I've received quite a few messages this week saying you're not charging us enough. I was like, yeah, but if I charge you more, you'd moan about it. So I can't win. <laughs> oh, mate, classic. All right, uh, quiz question of the week. December 2016, Manchester City lost to Chelsea 3-2 at the Etihad, but two players were sent off, mate. Do you reckon you can name those two players for me? No, I can't, literally I can't even remember a game. I remember there was one game where Aguero two-footed the keeper. Um, but I thought that finished 3-0, but I'm not sure if that's the right game. Well, let's just say it might be the right game. I've got no idea. Uh, so uh, if I go Aguero, because if it was that game, there was like a bit of a brawl after the final whistle. I actually yeah. remember not watching it and being in a train station and checking the score and like the live text going mad saying there was, but I can't remember who scored or who got sent off. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint and just say Aguero and hope it's right. Well, you got Aguero right, mate, but there's someone else. So I can give you a few options if you want. I'm trying to – I got this quiz question off a site, so I'm trying to remember what some of the options were. They had like Kolarov, uh, I think like Fernandinho was there. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was playing for City at the time. Was Sterling still around then? I can't remember, but yeah. No, uh, no, no, no I guess, mate. That's Fernandinho if you're giving me that option. But <laughs> Well done, mate. You got it. I tried to disguise that as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, you're too good, mate. All right, yeah, Aguero and Fernandinho, two players sent off. You wouldn't read about it. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, mate, thanks, as always, for coming along. Terrific stuff. I uh, hope you're all enjoying these, these previews. We'll be back next Friday, I guess, for you guys. So next Friday we'll be back. Um, Next podcast, though, will be interviewed or chatted to Adam Cheng, who's a professional football better and tipster. Uh, really, really interesting conversation with him uh, earlier this week. So that'll come out on Monday for all of you, and I hope you all enjoy that one. I certainly did. But in general, thanks for listening, everyone. Do a quick rate and review of the podcast. Always helps. Subscribe to us wherever you're watching or listening. And if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today on the podcast and weekly, more so the value betting ones, 
start a free week trial of TradeMate Sports and begin your value betting journey. Tony, mate, excellent stuff once again, and I'll catch you soon. We'll be right back. 